Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. It's finally draft time. We finally have some talk about the draft, and we're going to kick things off a little bit over the next, a little bit less than two weeks, I suppose, with some favorites from AJ and I in the first round. Some of these guys probably won't drop to the Amps picking area, but some of them might. We'll see. We'll see. Some of them are definitely in the right range. So play it by ear a little bit. But let's let's start. I'm not sure, AJ. Where do you want to start? In the WHL. All right. We'll start with I made the, it easy. Uh, yeah, we'll start with the obvious. Um, obviously, two guys AJ and I have liked for a very, very long time are the two defensemen. From the WHL, Braden Schneider and Caden Gooley. Um, as the year wore on, it became pretty clear, given that defensemen rise in the first round, not expecting them to get to the Avs pick. Nonetheless, two super strong players and and two guys I'm super excited about. AJ, uh, you're taking Schneider here. I'm taking Gooley. So, do you want to you want to kick it off with some Schneider hype? Yeah. So with Schneider. You're you're more comfortable with the idea that you're not getting a superstar here. For sure. You're probably not gonna get a guy who's even playing on your first pairing. You yep. know, you're you're talking about a guy that's kicking it a little old school here. Uh although he did get to play in uh, quite a few offensive situations uh for, for Brandon, Brandon this year. That was really bad in the first half, but yeah, it's you know, with Schneider, it's you're you're kicking it old school with a really big guy who plays a very physical and defensive oriented game. Yep. He, as we're seeing on these highlights, he can obviously jump into the play and and score a goal or two. Got a little but, bit of that Nick Holden in him, but there's the the physicality on the back end. That was the appeal when yep. when uh, oncoming puck rushers, uh, you know, cross his blue line. He's going to throw the ass of doom into their chest and send them in the next week. Yep. So that's that's what you want out of him. The the big question is the two way upside. What's he going to give you offensively? You know, based on based on this highlight reel, the guy looks like a superstar. You're not you're not you're not thinking it's the big question about him is what does he do on offense? Because this thing is all him scoring goals. <laughs> but highlights, uh, highlights make you look good a lot of the time. Keep that. Yeah, in mind. <laughs> definitely. This is why. This is why we always tell people YouTube responsibly. Yep. This is a perfect example. Yep. But the the you know for his size, you know he's about six foot three. He's already two hundred pounds. He's right handed. Uh, the for his size, he's a pretty good skater. He's not a great skater. But he, it's not, it's not something that I think is ever going to hold him back. Yeah, um, he's not going to wow you with his speed or anything like that. But pretty good skater. Uh, the puck skills, very there's some, iffy. There's some questions there for sure. And that, I think that's what's holding him back from being a surefire top fifteen pick, no brainer. Yep. Is is that the he's just <clears throat> it's. You're, you know, you're, you're hoping that you get more of a guy that can give you 25 points pretty consistently, but there's a decent chance he ends up more like a 10 to 15 point guy where his, yeah. his, his offense might be accidental more than anything else. And, uh, the big, the big thing with him at 24 though, is that, yeah, he's probably not even going to be there. 
uh, after Sanderson and Drysdale, the top two defensemen in the draft, he he and Goulet are guys that are probably going to go in the teens, but you just never know come draft day. Defensemen always kind of rise up, so we expect both these cats to be gone. But the, we're talking about our favorites and not not the list of favorites on everybody's list at number 24. So we're starting here. You guys got a deal. And with Schneider, I, I love the physicality. And I love that he would bring that element and that size that Colorado's defensive pipeline really always lacks. I think that's the conversation here. If we're talking specifically about Schneider and Gooley, Schneider makes a lot more sense for where the abs stand. Given what we've talked about, they already have a Macar. They already have Gerard locked up forever. They have Byram and Timmons as, as puck moving offensively available guys. If you can mm-hmm. add a Braden Schneider who you expect quality defense out of, you get some of that physicality back on your defensive end if they are, in fact, looking to move out someone like a Nikita Zadorov. It's something that they don't have in their prospect system. We've, we've talked about the lack of depth and on their defensive side, but who are the guys they have in there? Drew Hellison, supposed to be very solid defensively, but we haven't seen him really turn up that physical side of his game yet in the NCAA. And the other one that, that really has a, a shot at NHL-level play in Danilo Zaravilov doesn't play physical at all, really. Yeah, he's more of your efficient puck mover, non-physical, good stick work defender, kind of a high IQ kind of game. So Schneider would bring an element that just it's very lacking in their system. Yep. Um, an NHL comparison, I always struggle with guys like this. Yeah, there's it's a, hard. There's a hundred of these guys in the NHL, but um, honestly, like an Ian Cole type. Ian Cole. Probably, probably a little better of a skater. Ian Cole before he was hurt and had all the surgeries and was in his prime. (laughs) Yeah. But even then probably still a little bit of a better skater, but um, yeah, compared to Gooley, who I I've gone back and forth this year. There is a lot of time where I actually like Gooley a bit better, but I certainly like the upside more. Yeah. I definitely think there's there's more upside there. Uh, works super hard. It is the type of player kind of like Timmons in a lot of ways where, look, he's not going to get the job done with his skating a lot of the time, but his IQ is good enough and his positioning is strong enough to where he's almost always in the right position. So it's a guy that you're relying on his intelligence a lot and... There are many ways to get to the NHL, but if the brain doesn't work fast enough at the NHL level, it's just going to be really hard to make it for some guys. Unless you are a true freak athletically. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, Caden Gooley kind of makes the difference for me. But there's a lot of factors that, that go into tracking a defenseman. You have to uh, you have to do a lot of reading here as I, I try to buy time to get his highlight video set up for us. But the thing with Gooley is you are going to get some of that physical side, but I like his ability to move the puck a little bit better than I do Schneider's. Yeah, I mean they're they're pretty much the same size, but everything about Gooley's offensive game is better. Mm-hmm. 
And you can even argue that most of Goulet's defensive game is better as well outside of the physical uh, aspect of it. And that's that's not to say that Goulet's not a physical player, as we see. He's just smoked you guys. It, uh, he's a little bit more opportunistic with it, I think. Um, Schneider, you know, every, he's the type of guy that wears dudes out because every time you go up against the boards against that dude, he's going to be coming at you. Mm-hmm. Gooley, if he catches you with your head down or something, yeah, he's going to try and take advantage. But with his his lack of skating ability, basically, is my big concern. Because he can't do things like you see a Zadorov do where they commit and get way out of position to make a hit. Because he's not going to be able to get back. With that being said, I still trust his... Uh, his puck moving ability, as we talk about all oh, the modern day defensemen, I think he has a step up on Schneider in that regard. If you mm-hmm. want to get pucks going the right direction, I think this is the guy to go with of the two. But again, for the abs, not going to be a guy that's there at 24, certainly. Yeah. If, if either one of these guys gets there, the decision's real easy. Yo, if, if they take Sam Colangelo in the first round, I'm done with this draft. If they take Sam Colangelo in the first round, you're going to see a visceral reaction from us on set during our draft show. Yeah. Um, we'll be pissed. Like, yeah. I like Sam Colangelo quite a bit as a prospect. Uh, he fits He fits a need uh, as a power forward and a guy that's going to have a longer track because he's, he's headed to college. But if you were going to take Sam Colangelo in the first round, you should just take Jake Neighbors because he's the superior version. And if you take either one of them at 24, you should get punched in the face for being bad at your job. <laughs> I love that. I Please please don't draft them now, and then somebody's going to clip that and be like, well, you have to, now you have to punch Joe Sackick in the face. Yeah, if, if the uh, if the Drew Hellison take is anything to go oh, by, God. <laughs> last year I said, last year when I said before like the fifth round, yeah, where I said Drew Hellison was a fifth round pick and someone's gonna make a mistake over drafting him. Well, should have seen my face on the draft floor. <laughs> I should have, should have live streamed that. God, I was mad. So anyway, Goulet's better than all those guys. I agree. And so is Schneider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, so, Schneider's kind of like the rich man version of Drew Hellison. I would say that's almost exactly what he is. Bigger, yeah. stronger, more physical. Right. Going to help you out on the defensive end. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. The one thing, especially over the last couple of years, with the WHL, the scoring has been up, 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 up in that league. So you see these guys like Schneider and Gooley putting up, you know, 40 points in 60 games and stuff like that. And yeah. it, it is a little bit deceiving. I don't think you're going to get that much offense out of these cats. Yeah, especially Schneider because he plays in all the offensive situations because Brandon kind of sucks and they doesn't have anybody him. else yeah. to do it. Yeah. So it's like if you if you look at uh, Brandon's top power play unit, you're like, you know what? There's some talent here. Like these guys are all pretty good. A yep. bunch of draft picks, right? And then you get beyond that, and you're like, oh. Their depth is not. I get it. Yeah. So with Schneider, it's I think it was more just opportunity. I think I like Goulet's more offense more than you do, um, where I think 
I, I don't I, I think he'll be a, a higher point producer than Schneider. But again, you're talking about a guy that shouldn't be if he if he hits 30 points in a season, that's probably his career year. Yeah, that's right. I I don't trust mid first defensive offensive ability, at least not one where I see the quality defensive play out of the guys as well. If they're, if they really are that well-rounded in their game, why aren't these guys going top 10, I guess is my question. Um, I mean, it's upside. Sure. And with, with super desperate for defense, Winnipeg at 10, one of them might anyway, right? That's, I mean, that's it's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, we looked it up the other day, or I looked it up the other day anyway. In the past decade, there's only been one draft with less than five defensemen taken in the first round. And the majority of them are like seven, eight, nine, ten defensemen taken in the first round. Uh, so realistically, yeah, Sanderson, uh, Drysdale are going for sure. Gooley and Schneider will go after that. But we're probably going to see another couple guys rise at least into the late first, if not earlier. Yeah. And I think it could be like, if you look at the end, like the very end of first rounds from a lot of teams, especially when it's teams like San Jose and Buffalo who have traded, uh, traded for picks from teams that did really, really well. Yep. And they're at the end of the first round and they end up with multiple firsts. They can take and they, there. Yeah. yeah, like they, okay, they, you know, Buffalo's going to take, probably take a forward at, uh, at seven. Are they at eight? Seven. Seven, eight. I think, yeah. Eight. New okay, Jersey right, is seven. Um, oh, that's right. New Jersey's got three. Yeah. First. And then, and then at the end of the first, they can, they can just take a, they can just take a D. Yep. Just whichever. It's, it's very easy to do that. Yep. Buffalo did it last year with Ryan Johnson at 30, and it's like, that's that's the exact kind of guy that goes in that range. Somebody's like, we're not going to get a shot at this guy in day two. You know, we might like him a little bit more than everybody else, but we want this dude. Let's just pull the trigger. Yeah. And I, that's where the D, they slip into the end of the first a lot, but not typically at 24. It's usually like the 27 yeah. to 31 range. 24 tends to be the dead zone a little bit, but it's why we keep mocking forwards to the Avs. I guess. Yeah. Well, and, and it's why in my piece that I published today, the last 15 years of the 24th yeah. of the 24th pick, only two defensemen uh, have been drafted. Yep. So forward heavy spot, to say the least. We do need to take our first period break there as we are sponsored by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. There's eight of them on tap down at the DNVR bar. Hopefully, y'all are coming on down there for the draft and drinking some of that as we will be doing a live draft show, barring the Nuggets messing us up, which is not off the table. But pretty sure sure we'll be doing a live draft show at the bar with it up on the screens. We'll be playing a ton of awesome games. You can win a bunch of stuff. So hopefully, y'all come on down for that. Or if you're non-local, just go to your local liquor store and find yourself some Breckenridge Brew there. They have a beer for everyone, as I burp a little bit because their beer is so tasty. Uh, Go get some beer. Use their Breck Beer Locator if you're looking for something specific. They really are a great beer. I can't recommend them enough. 
We also have WGT Golf, our gaming sponsor, and we have all the info in. This weekend, we have a huge tournament, our very first real WGT major with amazing prizes. First place in the tournament gets $200 cash. Second place, $100 cash. Third place gets a DNVR shirt, hat, and sticker pack of their choice. So It's like real money yeah, for playing a- WGT. Yes. You're playing digital golf, and you can win real dollars, real clothes. So if you haven't joined the DNVR Clubhouse yet, now is the time to do it. Go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf and search for DNVR3 to get into the clubhouse. The tournament will be running across all three clubhouses, and the best scores across them will take home the amazing prizes. It's going to be on Beth Page Black Golf Course. Going to be playing closest to the hole as well. So... Be sure to practice up right there. I've given you all the info you need. The tournament, you only get one shot at it. You got a couple days to get warm on that course. Learn the closest to the hole. Be ready for it. So it runs all weekend. You can practice all weekend before you jump in if you want. Win yourself some money. WGT Golf, baby. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. We've talked... Can, about, I, can I just why the question about Sam Colangelo? Because it's so out of left field. Dude, I was thinking about it during that break. I was like, why did that question get asked? I assume because of the article Clark wrote. Uh okay. I Clark have... Clark had a mock to the abs at one point, I believe. Oh. So I'm assuming okay. that's what it was in reference to. Well, now I feel like a dick. <laughs> well, instead of feeling like a dick, let's talk about some Germans. That's the strangest transition yeah, you've ever I, made. There was, I was going to like try and work in some German sausage or something in there. And I, I decided to eject on that one pretty quickly. <laughs> Just let go, man. <laughs> the two... Germans that are realistically going to go on the Avs range are Lucas Reichel and John Jason Paterka. Um, obviously, they have no chance at Stutzla. Yeah. Uh, just realistic targets. And, and depending on how you feel about these guys, these one of them, I think there's a decent chance is there at 24. I doubt both of them make it. Unfortunately for you, AJ, you took Reichel, and I think he might be the one that goes a little bit early. Agreed. Um, from what I from from what I've talked about, and certainly from what we're going to hear from one of our guests tomorrow, assuming that <clears throat> the universe stops with this nonsense and screwing up our plans. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, as we've now had three days in a row of shows with guests planned that have fallen through. That just something goes wrong with. Yeah. yeah. So uh, assuming assuming that that uh, does not happen tomorrow, we're definitely going to hear from our guests tomorrow that Lucas Reichel is well-liked and that this is a guy to keep an eye on in the top, not just top 20, but top 15. Yeah. Um, He's smart. He's a really good skater. Puts himself into into really, really good positions and uh, had a great second half of the year. And I think that's what really put him on the map was 
his second half of the year, uh, he had more goals in the DEL than both Stutzla and Paterka. Yep. And I think that's, you know, that speaks for itself. Like, it's this is the DEL. Uh, you keep in mind that, you know, this is this is not the same as a guy playing in the Liga or even the SHL or any of that. But this is, of those leagues, this is definitely the weakest of them. But you also don't see teenagers do this in in the DEL. I mean, this is the first time um, these three guys are likely to get drafted in the first round, and it's the first time that uh, Germany is looking to have three first-round picks in the same year yep. ever. Yeah, the DEL is having a bit of a – I guess it's not a renaissance, but maybe their first golden age as a development league for the NHL draft. Yeah, after Cider last year, Stutzla's going top five this year, and then you've got these two cats as well. This is a foundation for them to build on. You know, maybe they can uh, make it. They maybe they can replace Slovakia as that that seventh hockey power. Yeah. that we used to have. Yeah, Reichel. Reichel a while ago when we first talked about him months and months ago, I kind of threw out the idea that. He reminds me a lot of Vlad Nemesnikov. I like that comp. I still do. Yeah, same. The more I've watched him, the more I'm like, yeah, you know what? It does kind of feel like that. It, he's His willingness to get to the dirty areas and his hands are good enough to get the job done in those mm-hmm. dirty areas. Um, not not sure the defensive end is is great. I, I He might need a little bit more work if it's someone you want to play on your PK regularly, but the Evs didn't want Nemestikov on their PK either, I guess. So you kind of have to work with that. But enticing because he has the ability to go with the mindset of getting to the dirty areas and understanding how to play off the puck, getting to the open ice. Yeah, that's. I think that's what's really convinced me that I. Uh, that's what's really won me over um, with Reichel over a Paterka is the way that he just consistently finds the soft spots in in defense. He just he's got that innate understanding of where to be at all times to maximize offense and in order to create scoring chances for his teammates. Yep. Uh, that's with the puck and without. He just seems to always find the right spots uh, to be in. And that's that's one of those innate abilities that stands out with some guys. You know, some guys you're just like, geez, is this guy ever around the puck? And then there's a guy like Reichel who's just constantly around it. Yep. You know, the game just seems to track him. Yep. And that's because he knows he, he's reading the play and he knows where to put himself. And I, I love the intelligence and I like the skating. The big thing with him is that I don't think that you can use the Martin Kaut, Miko Ranton and development path with him. I don't want to see him in the AHL next year. I want to see one more year of him in the DEL and then he can go to the AHL if he's physically filled out a little bit. But right now that's a, that is a, he's physically immature. He's very slight Uh, at six foot and 165, 170 pounds. This is a guy that needs to fill out more. He needs to he needs to get some more muscle. He needs to build up that strength. I personally don't want to see him in the AHL right away. And that means that hey, if he needs to play one year in the in the DEL and then two years in the AHL, you're talking about a longer development track for this guy. Are you willing to be patient for him? And in a normal year, 
if we take a step back, is that someone you'd be targeting to come over and play in juniors? If he gets taken in the CHL import draft uh, and he wants to, I have no objection. Uh, obviously a little bit tougher this year, given how late uh, leagues not named the Q are going to start. But in a normal year where, you know, the, the CHL leagues would get, be getting ready to start about now, the German league wouldn't have like a month or two month jump on them. Yeah. I think it might be a more realistic path for him, but, but given the situation, I would have, I'd have no issues. Um, sure. if he wanted to play in the C, even now, if he wants to play in the CHL, he's more, more right. Active. I'd be fine with doesn't, that. Too. Doesn't bother me at all. Um, it just but seems it's, to make a little more sense to stay in Germany, <clears throat> given the, the situation. Globally. Yeah. And there's a stability there. You know, there's a comfort there where it's like, look, just you're doing fine. Just go and do it and do it, do it for another year, man. You're good. Yep. That year, that year is going to be important to him, no matter where he plays. A comfort zone in Germany, while all this stuff is still going on, I'm good. I'm. I have no objection there. Um, it's it's really just, and the only reason I bring that track up is because you are. I do think he has a longer development track than some of these other guys, because you are waiting for him to fill out a little bit more physically, and then when that happens, what effect does that have on his game? He's got to then figure out how to play. You know, he, he's got to figure is out how to play still, 190 pounds. Is he still agile enough to find the soft spots? Can he still work his way around the ice? Is, is some of that appeals, appeal still there? Does does he naturally play a heavier game as he gets heavier? Because right now it's easier to it's easy to write off some of the some of the things I don't like about his game on, on the wall. Um, I think there's yeah. a softness there, but I think that some of it is because he's just slight. He's it, in a men's league and he's protecting and himself. He's going to get out muscled and try not to get hurt at times. Yeah. Right. And so that's where, that's where it's like, I want to see him get bigger. I want to see him play bigger as he gets bigger. Uh, and, and because of that, I'm willing to wait, you know, I'm willing to see, okay, well, what happens in three years with this guy? It, you have to look when you're drafting 24th overall, you have to have a little bit more patience with guys. It's it's just the reality of the craft. If you get a guy who develops quickly, that's great, but you have to be willing to work with these guys and, and get them developed into an NHLer at a certain point. These aren't going to be yeah. super well-rounded players a lot of the time. Yeah, and and it's funny because like at this point, you're drafting specific traits, uh, and if you're getting a guy that's all around, then you're worried about upside. Yep. So, so it's low ceiling or there's a big hole, basically uh, a three year time frame Is it advantageous to the as prospect pool? Uh, it, I don't think it's advantageous. Um, obviously I think the sooner that you can get an NHL player on an ELC, the better it is for everybody. Uh, and like an effective NHL player, not just like, Hey, he's cheap. So now he's in the NHL, right? Like, I'm talking like a good NHL player, like make it worth your while. And with the way that the abs are going to be competitive and competing for cups and um, signing free agents and aggressively managing their roster every year so that they're at the top of the West, you know, with that, with that being their goal, um, it's the, the longer, the longer time frame kind of, lets you sift through ELCs a little easier. You get through Martin Kautz ELC, you get through Shane Bowers ELC, 
you know, you get through Bowen Byram's DLC, you start to get an idea of what the next wave of contracts is. Look like. And if it takes this guy three years, great. If it takes him two years, that's also fine. If he has a year in the DEL and a year in the AHL, that's and he becomes an NHL or the next yeah. year, that's totally fine. You know, like that's that's also acceptable. You know, if you if you have guys who are too good and are demanding to be challenged at the next level, uh, and and they're still on their ELCs, you're just doing a good job. So. Uh, what's your take on Paterka then possibly coming to the AHL as the other German? He's 5'11", 190 listed as a little built a little bit better. And yeah. you can see it in the style of game he plays. He he can play to contact in the DEL quite a bit more. Yeah. Different, very different guys. For sure. Um, as you, as you mentioned, better built um, has more of that fire hydrant feel to him, you know, where he's a, he's stockier. Yep. Um, but he's, he's strong already. Uh, I think he could, he could physically hold up. Uh, if I, if Paterka, Paterka is very, very Martin Kaut esque in that it's, he's kind of like your all around ish European where the upside isn't as high. And I think he could get dropped into the AHL tomorrow and be an effective AHL player. And then, you know, we'll see from there. I, that's not to say that they play the same style of game. Yeah. But developmentally, they are. I think they have a lot of similarities. I I actually think they are pretty similar on the offensive side of the puck. I think he's pretty poised with it. He has a good shot. He can he can work well on that side. Defense needs a little bit of work, though. Yeah, and I think given you're talking, you're talking teenagers in a men's league. Right. <laughs> um, they're not getting put into roles that stress them defensively. Yeah. They, they're getting opportunistic playing time for sure. Yeah. They're getting put into specific jobs here. Um, I'm just. My, my concern with Paterka is versus Reichel is I don't like. I, I like his fit in North American ice right now. Yeah a lot better than Reichel's. I don't like his upside as much as Reichel's. He doesn't... I think he's a better shooter than Reichel from from distance, but for the guy who's built a bit more, you don't see him getting to the dirty areas quite as much. He mm-hmm. likes to lean on his, his puck skill a little bit more. And for a guy who, let's be honest, you like the offensive upside, but you're trying to draft for probably like a third-line player here. You need to see not necessarily more IQ, but a willingness to do what's necessary. Yeah, if you're going to be a little more physically stout, a little more physically uh, built, yeah. I want to I want to see you use it to your advantage a little bit more. And this is kind of what I was talking about with Reichel in that when he fills out more, when he gets bigger, I want to see a bigger game. Well, Paterka's already bigger, and we're still wanting to see a bigger game. And I will say, I do think when he has the puck, he can protect it pretty well. But when it comes to especially deeper in zones, when it, digging out pucks, doing some of that dirty work, it, you got to see more of it. And look, it's the DL. I'm not going to claim to know the league very well. I don't know how much of that really goes on, how hard 
the the heavy lifting gets done down in that league. But mm-hmm. if he comes over to the AHL and he's not ready to to get into some battles in the zone, he's going to have a time. Yeah. Yeah, I really, you know, Kaut, Kaut and Ranton and, uh, and Kaut, like, counting Kaut as, like, a success is still premature. It is. Um, but we're feeling we're feeling pretty good about his development to this point. For sure. Given the NHL showing that we got out of him, um, that, that we saw from him last year. Um, but but that that path, were he to follow that kind of path, this is another guy, like, I see the CHL for a year really could do him a lot of good. Yeah, it could. I I think, like you said earlier, you could drop him into the AHL and he'd be all right. You just need to set proper expectations for a guy like this. Yeah. Uh, more Like you said, more Kout, less Rantanen. He's not going to come in and murder the league or anything. Yeah. But it, you, your other point, and, and for a guy that I really like, you have to be realistic with his upside. His skating is good enough, but he's not going to be burning dudes in the North America. His his offensive ability, his hands are nice, but they're not elite. His defense, we just I think it's a pretty big work in progress and like you said, we haven't seen him in those situations a ton in this league. So you're asking for a guy to become an NHLer with a limited upside. Yeah, I do. One thing I like about both guys is that they're workers. I don't, I don't feel like I have major question marks about effort. It's just learning to play the game in certain areas, you know, especially. And with defense, honestly, if you try hard, at some point, you're it. it some it's level passable, of it, yeah. will click. like, if you're if you're working hard and you're paying attention to coaching even a little bit over time, you'll get there. So. I, I like the I like the effort side of things from both of these guys. Um, I, I don't I don't, I don't fully don't... agree with Paterka on that one. I think Paterka's effort, um, not play style comparison, but he reminds me of Newhook, where he's one of those guys where he sees the puck. If he thinks he can get the puck, his work effort is through the roof. But in those, he has to commit to that situation, you know. Where yeah, Newhook was an extreme example. Yeah, that. that was the most extreme example. Yeah, he was. He was so fun to watch because you're. He was so dynamic every time the puck was near him, and then when it wasn't, you were just like, "What's he doing?" This dude is totally cruising right now. <laughs> is this guy asleep right now? And then the puck would get near him, and it was like all the lights would go on. Yeah, exactly. uh, did you ever? Did you ever see that movie Inside Out? Yeah, yeah. With the feelings and. Yep. Yeah, it was like the uh, uh, at the very end of the movie Which when the girl is talking to the boy, yeah. the puck inside the boy's head. It's like, <laughs> like it's mass chaos. Yeah. That's that's what it feels like every time Newhook got close to the puck. Was it was just like mass chaos. It was like a a girl talking to him for the first time. Oh, should we go full? Should we go full Minnesota here? Should we make a first round draft all hair team? No. <laughs> I sat through that conversation the other day about the all name team and I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to, to I wish I had an excuse to be literally anywhere else in the world than sitting there watching that unfold. But instead I I watched it and no, that was it. No no hair team for me. 
Well, instead of team hair, how about team CBD coffee? With Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-infused coffee that has changed lives, it's been known to help migraines, IBS, many other aches and pains, even anxiety. And that's another thing you can get down at the DNVR bar, cold brew Strava Craft Coffee if you want to try a cup before you commit to a full order. When you love it, go to StravaCraftCoffee.com and use code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. And if you want to buy in a subscription package get a little bit more than just one order at a time you can sign up for that and get 20 percent off every single time you buy over at stravacraftcoffee.com third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook two more prospects that have a chance to get to the abs range here one forward one defenseman that i think both aj and i really like both of these guys but We'll have to see. Start with uh, let's start with Russia. Oh and, right, and Rodion Amarov. This one yeah. guy we 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 watched one game of his um, way back in the summer on our our DNVR watches, and and he was fun to watch. He's a super smooth player yeah. over there. He was the guy that neither one of us walked into with any expectations, and both of us walked out like, well, I can't wait to watch more of his games later. <laughs> yep. Because he was just, he was all over the place. He was exciting, uh, great handles with the puck. Uh, I I love Amirov's game. I, the, the thing is, is that I have no idea how it's going to translate to North America. It's especially. When you're talking about Russian juniors, the MHL, the the disparity in talent is insane. And the the time and space that he has to do things, like a lot of a lot of the the dangles and the highlight reel stuff that he's able to do, he just has all day to do it. He's yep. got he's got so much time, he has so much space to get done whatever he wants. And he's such a creative player, and he has such great vision. He knows he can just outplay all those guys by himself. Yep. And you see it. You see it regularly show up because he just does it. He's like, oh, I'm these the best guys are on the these, ice. Bye. Yeah. These four guys are going to take me on, but they're idiots and they suck. So they're going to do it one at a time. And all of a sudden, it's like John Wick on the ice, you know, just going through a bunch of different people one at a time. Because they don't decide to do it. Oh, we're, we're going to come at you all together. You know, there's no team defense. He just cuts through all these dudes on his on his own. And you're just like, all right, well, maybe going at him one at a time. Wasn't a great idea, fellas. He's got that kind of game. He's got he's got the ability to he's got game breaking ability, but he's not overly physical and he's not he's not very big. So what does it look like when he's in North America and he doesn't have that time and space? I will say encouraging for his game, maybe a little bit discouraging if you're hoping he drops to 24. Last year, he did get five games in the VHL, the Russian second tier league, three points in five games. This year is underway. He has three games in the VHL, two points in those games. VHL second tier league, significantly more difficult to produce in than Russian juniors. So from that regard, in his development path, he looks poised to at least take that next step. You're still doing a lot of projecting to the NHL level, but yeah, there is a reason to believe that he can do so. 
And yeah, and he's just a fun player. He's one of those players that mesmerizes people because everything he does seems fully intentional. He doesn't just blow by people. He's just smooth. And before you know it, he's by you. Yeah. So a fun guy to watch. And, you know, he's a lot of fun to watch. I don't want to commit to the stereotypes too much, but if he does come over to North America, he's going to take a big hit eventually. And then we're going to find out who he is. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, and, and he's one of the more interesting guys in the first round, because I think most evaluators would agree that the talent is there. The talent is intriguing. The talent is high end, yep. but how it translates and what it looks like in North America is a mystery to everybody. Yep. And so I think when, when you're looking at that aspect of it, it's really hard to find a comfortable spot for him in the first round where if say, I mean, if he goes to Carolina at 13, you could justify it because you're like, well, you're just betting on the talent. Yep. There's certainly the upside there. It's you're, just... you're betting on their ability to develop a guy who's really, really talented and has a ton of skill. If he goes at 25, you're like, well, we just, all these teams in front of him that, that didn't take him can just easily say, well, we just didn't know what he looked like. We weren't, we weren't sure what version translates to North America. Yeah. Yeah. We were going to get in North American ice. And because of that, we were, you know, he was a little bit lower on our list than he otherwise might've been. Yep. And you know, that's, that's a, that's a major consideration with a lot of these kids, especially when you have to deal with the Russian factor, the stigma that they get. You still have a handful of teams that just straight up don't draft Russians. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> it's it's fascinating to me, given just how much crazy, crazy talent comes out of there, mm-hmm. uh, and and like what their international, you know, their high end international teams look like at all competitions. But some front, but it is what it is, you know. Yep, yep. It's it's an interesting situation, but I think if you're the apps, you're you're really hoping on that Russian factor to get this guy at twenty four. But, yeah, you're re- you're basically if he's going to get to 24, you're relying on the Russian factor being a driving force in why it happens at all. Yep. So, but with him, it's you love the talent where he slots in uh, in Colorado. He's some, you know, he he is someone who's going to need to fill out. He's going to you leave him in Russia for a couple of years like you do most of these Russian kids. Yep. Uh you definitely want to see him get some KHL time. And then have him come over when he's 20 or 21. Go yeah. from there. Right. It, you Top six upside, you're buying on that. It's super, I, every time you draft a Russian, it's super easy to leave that kid in Russia for two years. Yeah, they do make it, they do make it a lot easier. Yeah. So I don't really have any problems with that. The other prospects we have here is William Wallander. A longtime favorite of mine. I've liked him since very early on in this draft class. Uh, great skater, especially for someone his side on the defensive side. Uh, his skating ability is maybe one of the the biggest reasons to like him. Uh, you're also you're betting on a guy's offensive upside, particularly with his ability to penetrate and distribute the puck. If you're looking for downsides offensively, his wrist shot just isn't very good. Uh, his 
his slap shot doesn't have a ton of power, but he understands what he's doing with it. He's a player that can shoot for a tip type play. Yeah. And then defensively is the big question mark. His skating is so good that at this Swedish junior level, he gets away with it a lot to where he can just skate by people and, and get back and recover. But offensively is where you're betting on this kid. Yeah. The, I think, I think the shot will improve as he fills out and gets stronger. Yeah. Because he's got a long way to go in the physical maturation aspect of things. At, at six foot four, he's got great size. Uh, yep. He should he should definitely bulk up beyond one ninety though. There's he, he's got the frame to play at a solid like two hundred five to two ten. I, I think two fifteen even. Yeah, I mean, if he wants to play a heavier game, go for it. You're not. Well, that's no, I'm that's, not gonna I'm not gonna complain about that at all. I, one of the things I I actually do like about him is he's someone that's not afraid to play with a little bit of fire. If you if you give him a hit or if you you know get in a little bit of a tussle with him he'll get mad and he'll push back he's not someone who was just gonna gonna turn away and take it i'd like to see a little bit more consistency out of that from him if he can bring a a more edgy game consistently i think that will really help him on the defensive side Mm -hmm. but it's in there if if that's something you want to bet on upside wise then he's a guy to watch 100%. 100%. He's so. he's the guy that you and I have both liked um, in kind of the back half of this first round. At 24, I would be very lukewarm about it. If they were to move down a couple of spots, um, I always I always look at trading down with Ottawa because they have the 28th pick and they have four second rounders. So you could pretty easily find a value fit there that everybody can that, that everybody could agree on. Um, if, if they could move down at 28 and get Wallander, I would like it a lot more with a, with a second rounder in tow than just taking him at 24 off the top. I'd be comfortable with him at 24. He's the, if he's there, he's the one D in kind of that second tier that I actually like at 24. Yeah. A uh, hard pass on uh grands, a hard pass on Cormier. Uh, if, if they take Poirier, there will be, a lot of adult language on our draft show <laughs> to the point where somebody will probably have to cut my mic. Uh Oh, AJ's going to, AJ's going to pop off on the draft show when they yeah. inevitably take Poirier. <laughs> yeah. So if that guy gets picked, there will be, there will be some consternation. Yeah. I, I'm with you. It, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Unless a bunch of these D really start rising and there's one or two left. Mm-hmm. If the Avs are targeting a D at 24 and they like multiple of these guys, there's no reason not to trade back because there's probably going to be one there. The only, the only real problem you have with trading back is trying to find the dance partner mm-hmm. and making it worth everybody's while. Right. You know, the someone's got to really like someone at that 24 spot to be wanting to move up for him. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the conversation. Uh, we're the wrong guys to have the Ryan O'Rourke conversation with. Yeah, you're you're um, not going to like our answers to that. <laughs> yeah. Ryan O'Rourke is the guy. Hey, if the abs traded, if the abs traded down from 24 and they ended up with a pick between 50 and 60, I'm comfortable there with O'Rourke. Um, I'm not comfortable with him before 50. I, 
would struggle even taking him in the second round, to be honest with you. <laughs> so just not just not my kind of guy, not my style. Did not enjoy watching him. I just don't trust it at all with him. I just I don't I don't see where he's an NHLer. Mm-hmm. You know, I with him it's it's there's some physicality there. There's a little bit of skating. I hear a lot about hockey IQ, and I just don't see a lot of it. And not that not that he's he's dumb. You know, it's not what I'm saying. I just the guy that it's. There's it's because he's playing in the same system, the same team as Timmons. There's a lot of comparisons there that I just don't buy. Yeah. And like both Timmons and Rasmus Sandin were far superior prospects in my eyes. Yep. Same. That dry O'Rourke in the, at the end of the first round is like, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like going to a steakhouse and ordering a side of fries as your dinner. And you're just like, why did you, why? Like, this is such a poor use of this, this atmosphere. The smallest steak on the menu and you get it well done. Uh. (laughs) Or you go to a world-class chef and you get the greatest steak in the world. You throw ketchup on it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, why did we do this? (laughs) There are some questionable choices being made. (laughs) So, and... I've I've come around on Grands a little bit if the Avs trade back into the second. Yeah. Um I still don't believe in his offense at all. Picked up his first ever SHL point today, yeah, actually. It, it took him quite a few games. <coughs> yeah, and I believe he shot it like two feet wide and it got tipped. Yeah. But you're <laughs> you're talking about the same kind of the conversation that you're having with Paterka earlier. Oh. Grands is a guy where there's not going to be a huge upside, but you're you're asking him to become a, a bottom four defenseman for you and be well rounded. Yeah. And with Grands, like there are selling points. Um, oh, yeah. he's six foot three and he's a really good skater. And like there's a base that you can work with that you really like. Um it's just I don't know. Do we want to get into those? If they trade back, here's here's the guy that I like. If you have one picked, fire. Uh, I'm going back to the well with Brisson. Yeah, that's not a bad pick. Assuming we'll, we'll assume that the trade back puts their first pick between 28 and 32. At the end of the first, basically. Yeah. yeah, or the first pick of the second round. Yeah, which would be absolutely totally destroy our draft would show perfectly be awful for our draft show if they <laughs> traded back to 32 but i'm i'm not a chromiac guy don't no not not a chromiac uh, i first anyway I, I tell you what i like i like chromiac plenty um like if they do trade back and they do pick up a pick between 50, 50 and 60 right i actually really like chromiac in that range i don't like him at the end of the first I know that there are some teams out there, uh, and I have a sneaky suspicion the Ants might be one of them that are a little higher on him. But, but twenty four to twenty eight high. Yeah, but not. I'm that's too, that's too rich for for my blood personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, I actually I really like the idea of Brisson in that range. Um, Brisson has some NHL skills that can play today. Uh, his one timer is elite. Yeah, that thing is- like. Bomb. When we're talking, when we're, when we're talking about 
the best shooters in the draft. You know, we're we're gonna have conversations. Jacob Perot, um, Jack Quinn, Alexander Holtz. Uh, I'm missing one. Um, the 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 Rossi. No, I'm missing. I'm missing an obvious goal scorer. Oh, I'm uh, my my brain is totally drawing a blank, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, point is, is like when we talk about oh Forster, when we're when we're talking about the elite shooters, like Brisson's one timer fits in with those guys. Yeah, Forrest right off the top, closer to Brisson than those other guys, but sure. So, you know those the the the, the shot from Brisson is. Very, very good. And I like I like the intelligence. I like the effort. Uh, I like the spirit, you know, when we talked to him about it. Yep. And I was like, hey, this is what some of these guys have said about you. And he was like, no. He pushed back on it hard. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate, hey, I don't feel that way. I feel like I go out there and I play an honest game. And okay, great. Like, that's cool. I, I like that he's going to be in college for a couple of years because he's he's definitely undersized. He's not a very good skater, so I worry about kind of the the Jost factor here. I, I think mean, is a little real. Better shooter than Jost, but sure, definitely a better shooter than Jost. Definitely has that one NHL skill that pops yep. when you watch him play. Whereas Jost was kind of like he's just this really good all around, ultra smart player. Yeah, uh, which I think we've seen translate. He's he's very intelligent in the NHL. It's just all the all the other skills have struggled to come. Um, but that's with Brisson, and then, I mean, hey, if if you were taking a a Jost ish player with a better shot at the end of the first round, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. I would take that chance. Yep, that's it. if they took Tyson Jost 28th overall, the Avs fan base would love that pick. I would. I feel like they would probably feel differently. I yeah. feel like it would be like it's fine. We got an NHLer out of this end of the first round guy, and he's solid. Well, because there would there, for every for every hater, there would be. Well, you remember Connor Bleakley, right? Where we got <laughs> nothing out of it. You know, yeah. like there would be kind of like that push and pull, that tug of war that everybody has to have on Twitter because you're trying to beat the other guy instead of that push and pull being against Miko mm-hmm. freaking Ranton, <laughs> right? Where it's like, well. The, the same pick as Miko, it's and like it was like Miko yeah. was the best tenth overall in the last twenty years, <laughs> right? Like, uh, like it's like it's like Rantanen and Brodeen are the only like good ones recently. Yeah, <laughs> and then after that, it's like Cody Hodgson, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, anyway, Ghost is is well Bruce- on the way to. Better than that, anyway. <laughs> Brisson's a guy that I really like. If they were to trade back at the end of the first round, start of the second round, uh, and, and a guy that I think would fit them. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Jake Neighbors is another guy that I think in that in that range I would be a lot happier to take him. He would fill a big role for Colorado. Um, it's kind of the the story of what do you want between those two, right? Brisson, yeah. you know what you're betting on. You're betting on a shot and offensive ability. You're going to get a more well-rounded player out of Jake Neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. If you were trying to if you're trying to break the bank with high end skating and high end skill, that's where you start having the conversation about a guy like Marat Kuznadinov. 
Yep. Uh, where you're you're rolling the dice that you're going to get a an actual star Take player. Big shot. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm not a Jan Meshack fan at all. Uh, he's really not my style yeah. of guy. I don't. Um, I don't know. I haven't watched his games in the Czech League from earlier in the year, but I did not like him in the CHL at all. Yeah, we watched we watched that game together where he got a he got a hat trick and. One of them was like like the first goal, like the goaltender like misplayed a puck and yeah. he just shot it into an open net. And then the other two goals, I don't remember what they were, but I remember they were like kind of nonsensy. And you were like, he made one like nice play and got a like a funky bounce or something. I remember, and then like one of them was like a total joke. The third one, I think. Yeah, and and it just felt like a he finished that game with like five points, and yeah. we were like, and he didn't do anything in that. This game. was a stat stuffing game. <laughs> <Yeah>. I see. <laughs> And yeah, it was. I, I'm uncomfortable total, with Meshack. He's personally. a total lack of consistency from him. And, and you know, I my one question with him is, oh, okay, he spent half a season in North America. How much of him looking lost on the ice was him adjusting? And maybe there's something to that, but mm-hmm. he didn't show me anything I can believe in. Yeah, I think in that range. Like if he was the pick, there are things that I would be able to. We could sell Find positives, yeah, for sure. Like when you're swinging, and let's be honest here. Like when you start talking about the end of the first round and the top of the second round, you could you could just run down a list of fifteen players, and I'd be like, I'd be okay with this yeah. guy. For yeah. you know, like Justin Barron is another guy in that range where it's like, look, he had kind of a tough year, kind of a kind of a weird blood clot issue. If he's good to go, especially with the altitude questions, he's fine. Good size, right-handed, good skating, like a lot of a lot of things uh, about Justin Barron that you would really like. He just had sort of a, a weird draft year. Justin Barron specifically, very similar to the Martin Kaut situation. A guy where everyone's yeah. like, "Look, if he's healthy, it's fine if he goes here." Yeah. So. Yeah, and end of the first round, I mean, to, to 28, 29, 30, you know, and Tyson Forster becomes a lot more of a palatable decision with a shot like that. Some of that playmaking, you worry about his skating, but yeah. there are there are skills that play. It's just kind of a it's just kind of a pick your poison, you know. What do you what do you like best? And you know, that's we always say, like that's where that's that's why those scouts get paid the big bucks, is to try and sift through those 10 guys and find the NHL or that fits in their organization. It, 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 there is no, uh, once you get past 15, certainly the 20th pick there, it becomes harder to discern a clear best player available. You have to weigh different skills and decide what your team's best player available is on your list. Yeah. And yeah, and we see it even at the top of the list. You know, there might be a difference of of one or two spots for some guys, Byfield versus Stutzla, whatever. But you get into mm-hmm. twenty five to thirty one, and you're talking about you know there are guys that are going to be ranked fifty on some people's boards that are going to be top thirty players on others. If the draft were today and you were the Kings, who would you take to? Who would I take to? Yeah, I still like Byfield. Okay, I I've come around. Yeah, I, I yeah. I've come like if you asked me months ago, I'd say no way in hell I take Stutzla. Today, I'd say okay, it's it's fine. I still prefer Byfield, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think Byfield's the guy too for me. I just I just can't pass up on a 
six foot five center that skates like he does yeah, and has some of the skills that he does. Like, I just can't do it. Uh, yep. Honestly, I, that's really what it comes down to. It's not so much about Stutzla as it is like this. You know, this is a uh, guy hits. You have a Hall of Famer. <laughs> like, not it's it's not exactly Eric Lindros. Not that far off if you if he gets there though. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not like Eric Lindros and and uh like Keith Primo, you know, like yeah. those dominant power forwards. I but I mean you're <sighs> you're hoping you can get him to play a little bit more with a bit more power for sure. You're but. definitely you're definitely trying to get power out of the guy because you're like, okay. Like part of the appeal of you being six foot five is that no defenseman is going to have an advantage on you. Yep. If they can match your size, they won't be able to match your skating. If they can match your skating, you should be able to physically dominate them. So, you know, uh, Noel Gunler's a guy we're going to talk about a lot. Yep. Um, in in draft shows, sure. Yeah. In draft shows over the next week and a half, because we are under two weeks from the draft now. I can't believe it. Um, Gunler, not only are we doing, uh, we're going to be talking about Gunler, but I believe we're doing a little video on him as well. Yes, we will be. I personally, Gunler is not one of my favorites with that being said, the 24 range does feel correct for him. Yeah. He's, he's a guy, uh, there will be, uh, an article up on the DNVR tomorrow about a number of dudes and their fits in Colorado specifically Gunler's on that list. Uh, all I have to do is finish writing about the last guy on there and that article will be done, but you can catch that tomorrow morning on, uh, on the site. So there you go. Lots of draft coverage coming all y'all's way, whether it be written podcast, audio video, we got it all leading up to the draft for you with the big live show on draft day. So hope y'all will join us. Hope y'all enjoyed the draft talk as there's plenty more of it coming. And after that, it's right into free agency talk too. So busy, busy, busy over here at DNVR avalanche. This was just a couple of the guys we really like in the first round. Uh, We're going to get out of here for the day. Of course, we have Green Mountain Dental Group, the best family-owned dentist in the Denver metro area, located in Lakewood, just 15 minutes from downtown. Super easy to get to. I actually used to live right over there, not too far from there growing up. But uh, you can get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with them. That's right. All you have to do is show up to your dentist and you get a free Sonicare electric toothbrush. So why not jump on that when you can? They're awesome. They make sure to send you updates all the time. Remember, remember to remind you when you have a, a scheduled event. Remember to check up on you after the event as well. Just awesome guys all the way around. So give Green Mountain Dental Group a shot too. We're out of here for the day. Thank you, everyone, however you consume the podcast. And we will talk to you all tomorrow.